You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, we're going to preview Illinois against Nebraska. We'll have Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7, the best beard in the Big Ten. We'll break down the Nebraska coach opening, who they could get to fill that uh, spot, and uh, a big game between Illinois and Nebraska. Illinois won two straight in this series, but we're going to start the pod with my guy, Joey Wagner. Uh, Joey, I I think people could hear that I have a little bit of a voice issue. Having kids, man, they bring a lot of germs and while I feel fine, the voice doesn't feel fine. So I'm going to suck down some honey, drink some tea, and try to get through this. And I'm going to stay away from you, Jeremy, for, for <laughs> well, you a got an eight-hour car ride coming up here. I'll be in the back seat. It'll be a chauffeur-type situation on the way to Lincoln. No COVID. I'm good, Joey. I feel fine. Uh, yeah, so hopefully I'm, I'm kicked this by the time we head to Lincoln together. It'll be a long trip. It's a fun trip. Piper and I... Piper and I made a pit stop in, in Kansas City for basketball last year, and I don't think I've ever made the trip. I guess we drove back straight through, but I don't think I've ever made the trip straight through. It'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, we got to hit on the 2023 schedule, and I just got a text message. Like, literally, just got one. Uh, my wife said that I noticed they're playing at Kansas, and the Kansas City Royals just so happened to be at home that weekend. So maybe we'll make a trip of that, Joey. Go to Kansas City on the way to Lawrence. Is it? Am I going to be a third wheel here? No, why not? We'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. All right. All right, but we knew that was on the schedule. Illinois opens against Toledo September 2nd, uh, so no week zero because they don't have an opponent playing at Hawaii and they aren't playing overseas. Um, September 9th at Kansas, much more interesting game. We'll see if Lance Leipold is still there, but if he is, I love that matchup. That's a fun matchup. Uh, not as easy as probably, was it Mike Thomas <laughs> that scheduled that game? Uh, assumed it would be. And then the Big Ten schedule opens up, Joey, against Penn State. Penn State comes here. It is the eighth, ninth straight time they start the Big Ten on the road, and they have an issue with that. Florida Atlantic, September 23rd. Uh, we're keeping divisions, so you got all the divisional opponents at Purdue, Nebraska at home, another crossover at Maryland, uh, Wisconsin at home. Then you're off week, not off until October 28th, so eight straight games to start the season. At Minnesota, home against Indiana, at Iowa, end with Northwestern. I'm wondering if Illinois Northwestern will be the second Black Friday game, but it's all about the crossovers, right? When, when you keep this divisions and if you're going Penn state at home, that's tough, but you're at home. Uh, and it's of the three top teams in the East. That's the team you probably want to get. And then home against Indiana at Maryland. That's a pretty favorable draw, Joey. It is. Yeah. I mean, Illinois done okay. in these crossovers, uh, I know they had to go to Penn state twice. The 2020 year was just kind of like a, Holy crap. We need another game in the big 10. Um, just let chaos reign. And, mm-hmm. 
and go where it's going to go. But yeah, that's favorable, Jeremy. I mean, you're right. If you, you don't want to see Ohio State, that's not Illinois specific, right? I, I don't know that anybody um, in the Big Ten West has a lot of interest in seeing the Buckeyes. I don't know if anybody in the Big Ten has a lot of interest in seeing the Buckeyes. But you don't want to see Michigan. And you don't want Michigan back-to-back years, right? And And you got Michigan, obviously, at Michigan this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you and I look at Indiana and think, well, that's an upward trajectory. I, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard to see that no, right that feels, now. That and feels, maybe we'll be wrong. That feels like Tom, Tom – next year feels like Tom Allen's make or break year, right? Because he's got a $20 million buyout. Indiana football is not going to buy that out. He wants to be there. You're going to grit another year because basketball is going to be good for them. So, yeah, I, I think he's got another year. Yeah, and Maryland's not some unbeatable – let's not say I think they're going to beat I – mean, there's so much time, right? You have no idea what these teams are going to look like. But, I mean, it's not some unbeatable program that you're terrified of. So, yeah, that's – you'll take that all day. And then the three non-con – Kansas, excuse me, is much more interesting than it was in, like, 1989 when they scheduled this game. Yeah. But it's – I mean, oh, come on, man. Florida Atlantic, Toledo, is that we said the other one? Yeah, and Toledo is a good MAC program uh, under Jason Candle, you know. He's... Yeah, but that's not who you are as a program anymore. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that, that's a game that could be competitive for a little bit. But, no, sure. that's – that's a game under Brett Bielma, and you now expect to win and maybe win pretty easily. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think that's a schedule that sets up for bowl appearance, right? And and that's a, my wife asked me, is that a good schedule? And I said, yeah, and, and even if they had some tough draws, like I just think Illinois is going to be a solid program, right? A good coaching staff. We'll see what happens with Ryan Walters this offseason. We'll talk all about that throughout the rest of the year. But there's a really good coaching staff that develops talent, puts them in positions to succeed. And I think offensively under Barry Lunny, they're only going to get better uh, the more these guys get their players and develop them. Yeah, and I think we do have to address that there are some guys, hello defensive line, Devin Witherspoon, the safeties are going to – there are some spots that you're going to go into next season saying, I don't know. And that's fair, and we'll see what the transfer portal brings. That's that's a great equalizer, right, To, to kind of watch some of these NFL talent Exoduses go or just eligibility. That's a that's a good uh, problem to have. And we talked with Brett Beal right. about that, right? Yeah. Like that that's a good problem to have. He seems like he's more prepared for it. But I think of the guys like Devin Witherspoon gone, Chase Brown gone. I think Johnny Newton's getting into that category, right? Where he he's gone. The the big ones for me, um, you know, Tommy DeVito. I know fans have asked, can he get another year of eligibility? It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So that, but it doesn't seem like they're not going to try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Brad Bielema is going to pull every string that he can find until that string runs out. I don't know if it's going to work. Right. And I would caution to say maybe don't expect it to work as we sit here right now, but I, you know he's going to give it a shot. Yeah, there was an optimism the last time we checked. Uh, the big names who are underclassmen, right? So the seniors, Palcheski, Calvin Avery, Sidney Brown, Quan Martin guys are, are all gone. But Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams, right? Julian Pearl... Is he going to come back for a sixth year? Does he want to just try at the NFL? He's certainly got the length and athleticism to play. Um, Isaiah Adams, I think, is a better prospect right now, more proven prospect maybe, even than Julian Pearl. But I think he could be an even better prospect if he comes back a year, maybe a day two draft pick. But I couldn't blame him if he were one and done at Illinois based on the year he's having. Uh, and then Keith Randolph is, is a huge one. Because if they get Keith Randolph back and you lose Johnny Newton and you, you get T-Rod Edwards back, Gay back is Seth Coleman, that's still a ridiculous defensive front. So those are the three I'm most interested in, Joe. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think if you get Keith Randolph back, that's obviously one less defensive lineman I think you need out of the transfer portal. And I know they, they just got a commitment. Jeremy and Honor will talk about that. Yeah. The, the, the next year's Johnny Newton position, to me, screams coming somewhere from the transfer portal. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. But if you get Keith, you lessen the need to go get two defensive linemen. Defensive linemen are at a premium. Defensive linemen, edge rushers, offensive tackles, and quarterback. There's just not enough of them to go around. Yeah, and Keith's the kind of guy that I think could be a draft pick next year, but kind of the same thing with Isaiah Adams is I think if he came back, he's got a chance to be day two. Like, I think Johnny could be that already. I think Devin Witherspoon already is that. Jace Brownie's a running back. I don't think you want to spend any more of your reps at the college level given what he's doing. Keith Randolph and Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl are all guys I think you can sell. Say, hey, you might be a fifth or sixth rounder now. You can get into the NFL, or you can be a day two, day three pick, make millions um, next year. So uh, that, that'll be interesting moving forward. Yeah, a couple of points to add on that real quick. It's Keith Randolph. I mean, Jeremy, you and I have talked to him. He's a personable guy. NIL is more open for, for programs that win. I think you're going to find more people interested in, in attaching themselves to, to players on winning teams. The new factor in Keith's personality, the fact that he's going to come back, if he does come back, I should say. Face of the pretty, team? What was that? Face of the team, right? Yeah, and minimally, uh, he would be a guy you would look in preseason. That's probably a first-team player. Um, you know, you can maybe one-and-a-half team, whatever, you know, however you want to look at it in preseason. Isaiah Adams is really interesting to me, too, um, because I think you could make a sell to him to exactly what you said, that, hey, this is only one year of, like, college football, Power 5 college football. What could two years – as you start to build momentum and your name starts to build momentum, I could there be tackle opportunities for him to show that yeah. versatility where he could play probably all four Great in the point. NFL, maybe maybe even all five in, in the NFL. And I, I know that's been a discussion. So he, he's a really interesting candidate. And Julian Pearl is too. It's, to me, it gets a little hard to project when you start getting into that. You know, do you come back for a six year? Do six years in college is a long time. Yeah. And maybe Julian will go that route. I, you know, we don't know, but those, I'm with you. Those are the three that are probably bear the most monitoring uh, going into this offseason. Yeah, and Seth Coleman's a fourth-year guy. Um, I, I think a fifth-year could do him really well. Um, but he, he's another guy that maybe we should put into that group. At least you know you got Gabe Backus for, for two more years. Dude, every time. We, we saw him twice. We saw him, what's today, Wednesday? Yeah, yeah we saw him Tuesday walking around the Smith Center. And today, and I just keep looking, and I feel so weird at this point. Just like, oh gaw- my goodness. gawking at Gabe Backus. <laughs> I mean, dude, he is truly enormous. I mean, I asked Palcho this, and I know, Jeremy, you'll get the reference. And I, we've probably said it on here before, not to derail this. I haven't been invited on the podcast in a few weeks, so I have a few <laughs> things to say. <laughs> well, uh, do you remember when, when Wally Batiku came? And, and Wait, we're you like, were invited last week. We just couldn't make the times match, man. That, that's all. I wasn't invited for two weeks, but do you remember when... <laughs> Wally Batiku came. We thought it was like a coach. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I asked Paltrow, I was like, I'm sure you remember that. I said, did you think like he was like, Gabe was like a like a transfer, like a Juco transfer? He's like, dude, he's huge. Mm-hmm. Like, he is. What a large individual. And I, I think I'm really interested as we get into the back half of the season to see what his next six games, minimally six games, will look like because he is really putting it together. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way about a guy like Zai Chrysler. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. talk oh, about yeah. massive humans. Like as he's getting comfortable, he's basically a freshman, right? Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he does. Joey, I've talked about on the pod this week three commitments in the class over the last week. Desmond Schuster, uh, who they love his length. Uh, you match it up against some of the NFL, you know, scouting combine. It's it's top tier length. 
it's a little like bit 80 80 inch arm span i think it's 85 it's inch hard. wingspan 37 yeah. inch arms which is uh you stack it up th- those are the longest uh arms uh, that would have been at the combine and second longest wingspan uh, i don't know how that matched up but somebody must have a big chest a wide chest um but yes he, he's an interesting get he probably won't get here until june but similar to Zy Chrysler, I think they might think he's further along uh, than, than Zy Chrysler, at least technically. But uh, certainly a position they need to add with all the guys going to the NFL and potentially Pearl and Adams. Uh, and then you had Alex Bray, defensive lineman. They need defensive lineman. Uh, he certainly has had a great senior season, a guy who's going to work incredibly hard. Uh, and then uh, defensive back, Sabor Kareem. I think of the commitments they have so far, Joey, I think he's got as high of a ceiling as any of them. Um, you know, six foot three, 180 pounds, great athlete has played multiple sports. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on the three commitments? I mean, I, we've been talking about Sabor Kareem, maybe not in the level that we've talked about Jair Hill because you got the NSA, the whole operation with him. Right. Uh, but I think we've been talking about Sabor Kareem, like, man, you get him and, and it, it doesn't take away from by any stretch of the imagination, take away from the need or interest or desire, uh, very real desire to get Jair Hill on campus but man he's a guy that even if even if you lose if you lose a battle to Michigan that you've done everything in the world right you still this is a pretty good guy to have in there and you get them both that man that's a really good defensive secondary you're putting together here in the class of 2023 I think position versatility with him is big I think there's a lot of options uh and, and he could fill a lot of kind of I don't want to say contingency plans because he wasn't brought in as a contingency plan, but it's kind of like a if then then this. I mean, there's so many different uh, options with him. That's a big one. And, and defensive lineman, Jeremy, we've been waiting on, right? I mean, it, it was a rough go of it to start in this class, and and now you're seeing uh, the Trey Pierce, Jamel Howards, or they have interest from basically everybody. At the, I mean, outside of like that two or three percent of college football, the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, they're they're getting it from everywhere. And they lost out on – well, they had Jamari on Harkless and, and lost out on him to Auburn. So it was interesting to see – And whoever will be coaching there next year, I don't know. But, hey. I see anyone <laughs> that, That's kind of becoming quickly one of the more uncomfortable situations uh, in, in Power 5 football. But, yeah, man, I the, the Bray's in, Bray one is interesting. They moved quickly on, on getting him – on board and I, I think there's a lot of stuff you know, I think maybe you brought it up Jeremy Moroggan it, you know there's some maybe some similarities there but to me that's that's a down I mean you want to be a development program right so that's like develop for down the line and and I said it earlier and I still believe that the the defensive line is going to be made up of T-Rod Edwards maybe Keith Randolph and, and bring in a transfer portal candidate in, in 2023 and maybe two depending on what Keith Randolph does so depth right like you, you believe in your ability to develop you believe in your ability to scout to make sure that you see guys who fit what you want to do and Alex Bray it looks like he's got the frame to tack on some weight over the course of time that's appealing but it's just a matter of it, it's hard because with especially because the line is losing people like I yeah. think the mindset is you see it commit it's like all right, see you against it's Toledo to open it next year. It's like, well, okay, hold, hold on. And that's not a knock on the kid, but that's not what this program has ever wanted to be for the right. most part. And no program wants to start true freshmen in the trenches. Well, and you know this, Joey, defensive line is one of the hardest positions on quarterback to recruit because there's only so many of them. There, there's only so many, you know, FBS power five, more importantly, power five quarterback prospects. Sure. So a lot of them you have to develop 
right? Like there might only be 30 given power five quarterbacks in class. So you got to go find somebody with tools that you think you can coach up and develop in Illinois and Barry Lonnie thought they might find that in Cal Swanson. But even they'll tell you, ask us in three years, ask us in three years, how Cal Swanson is. Uh, it's the same thing with Alex Bray. And I think Mason Moraga, I like both these guys on film. They have good size, good athleticism, and they're tenacious. And one thing that this staff seems to like a lot, whether it's Cal Swanson or Alex Bray or Mason Moraga, and these guys that you know have to develop is their work ethic, the way they understand football. That's part of their evaluation when it comes to who can we develop, right? If we're going to be a development program, who do we think is definitely going to reach his ceiling? And I think they feel that way about Bray, Moragan, and potentially Swanson. Yeah, and I think they feel that way that they can make that ceiling higher as coaches. Right, it's a mix. Like they believe very much in themselves to develop those ceilings to go even higher, and they need someone to get there. And I think you're seeing just kind of a mix of both. And I'm not look. I don't think you and I are sitting here saying like, look out for some all Big Ten candidates in 2026. But I'm just saying like that's seemingly the approach, especially at some of those positions of just not enough humans to fill them all in Power Five. And to be honest, this staff gets the benefit of the doubt. They really do. When when they're doing what they're doing with the talent they've inherited, some guys they've added early on, you know, Josh McCray, we know is a really good football player, Matthew Bailey, Gabe Ackes, they they get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And then you turn on the film and you go, oh, I can see that. I, I can see him being in two or three years a uh, potential starter for, for Illinois. So um, it's kind of delayed gratification. Like you're not going to get a lot of Gabe Ackes's, right? Sure. Of course, Malik Elzey or Jair Hill. Yeah, those guys could be, right? And that's why it's that's why it's so much fun right now to to follow those recruitments and to be involved because those are the next level kind of recruitments that this staff is after and they actually have a chance to win now, Joey, because they're actually winning on the field. I agree. I you said I was going to ask you. I think the answer is Matt Bailey, but when you look at like the poster no one else thought but we did type guy, I think it's him, right? Cuz cuz Gabe could have gone to Tennessee if Illinois didn't. Yeah go in on that but like i think you're gonna see i think james like, Kurtz I, is gonna be that guy uh i i like james Kurtz a lot you know hank Beatty had an iowa state offer but he really didn't uh when he picked sure. illinois uh they wouldn't have taken henry boyer jordan anderson like so some of these guys still got to play out ashton hollands right um but i'm um, just looking at the guys who have had that impact so far correct. like i can see in three years where brett bielema is in a you know signing day press conference he says you know hank or matthew bailey no one in the world thought, and then you know he's gonna. I don't know what Matthew Bailey's gonna do in three years, but he's sure gonna get brought up by Brett Bielema. Kanana Oduluga, like he's a guy. Kanana Oduluga right, yeah. is another one. Yeah, it's interesting, and I get it. Like maybe, come on, dude. No one. There wasn't a lot of fanfare around Matthew Bailey on the signing day. It wasn't. No, no was... I don't think. I remember the press conference. Brett's like he could play here, he could play here, he could play. Here. I don't know. They really even had a positional plan, or at least they weren't sharing that. Yeah. I think they had ideas, right? I mean, I don't like, you know, he wasn't a guy they tried all over, but I just think it's interesting. And, and you're right. The benefit of the doubt exists for right now. And it is crazy that you're making, like we're able to say that halfway through Brett Bielema's second year. It's like the, those impacts have been pretty quick. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. 
Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, speaking of some of that development, last week they were able to get some of that, a couple development practices, and uh, I, we had a story last week about, you know, bowl practices. Brett Bielma said about five or six will be development practices. They didn't have that last year, right? So I think that's going to be really important for this class of 2022, these underclassmen uh, right now who aren't getting a lot of reps, and specifically the quarterbacks. It doesn't mean I think Donovan Leary or Kirkland Michaud is going to be the guy next year, but... Those are important practices for those guys, the offensive linemen that aren't getting a lot of reps. Uh, but another part of the off week that I'm really interested in to see how it pays off, Joey, is you know Barry Lonnie said that he made it a, a point of emphasis of red zone, a more red zone time on the field, more of an emphasis in their meetings. And, and Barry's got to learn from from some of these red zone mistakes. Like Jay Lamey went over the film. I didn't think a lot of the stuff uh, was was Barry's problem. I thought it was some bad execution at times in, in the red zone. But the numbers say they've had one touchdown on nine red zone opportunities the last couple weeks. I don't know if it's going to be an issue against Nebraska because, I mean, they might let you score outside of the red zone with their defense. But against Michigan, against Purdue, maybe against Michigan State, uh, it's going to be very important to cash in on red zone opportunities. You can't keep settling for three and, and expecting your defense to be bail you out. Oh, time and time and time again. The offense has kept them from a couple blowouts, right? You still won those games, but the offense has kept you from really blowing out Virginia, really blowing out Minnesota. Yeah, real quick, I, I do want to say, I think the thing Brett Bielema, he wanted to be in a bowl game last year. I think if you listen to him, I think he brought up the practices a lot. Like, I think that is one of the things he is, or he was the most frustrated about not getting was those 15 practices. But to your point, yeah, I – if you in, in those games, those Virginia games, uh, you know, whatever games, if they punch in one or two of those, dude, it's not it's not close. They win Indiana probably with and I understand. I get the Brian Hightower. Okay, I understand that. But like if you punch in that goal line where, where you end up with nothing, it's a different game and it's a different season. Nah, maybe not a different season, it's a different look, right? You're probably in the top fifteen at this point and you're pretty far along in what you want to do divisional wise. So I'm interested in what that looks like. I think Josh McCray, I think Brett Bielman's playing it, trying, not trying to backtrack or slow play it. I expect Josh McCray to play and, and Brett Bielman expects him to play. He's just not going to come out. And at least as of Monday, we'll see what he says on Thursday when we talk to him, Yeah, he's not going to come out and say guarantee, you know, he's not making any, you know, guarantees there, but I think his return will help that. He's a huge individual. And I think you get down there, and I think that combined with the more experience on the offensive line, they're probably just yeah. better. The offensive line right now is probably better equipped than it was against Indiana to handle red zone, like close goal line. Well, in the red zone, everything gets shorter. Windows get shorter in the passing game, right? But also for Chase Brown on the the outside, like those safeties can creep up and, and go get him. And let's be honest, like Chase Brown's awesome. He's not the most powerful guy. Like he can break one-on-one tackles, but when he's going through a pile – it's hard for him to push the pile. He's 205 pounds compared to 240 uh, for, for Josh McCray. So I do think it'll make an impact, but he's definitely just a versatile player, and maybe he keeps Chase fresher later in games, yeah. later in drives. You can put in Josh McCray 
feel pretty good about it. And, and Josh himself is a pretty good receiver. So on rollouts or something like that, Josh McCray could be a weapon there. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And I don't think Josh McCray's like Chase Brown's going to get Chase Brown's numbers, right? Like I don't think the return of Josh McCray is going to. I think that. Brett Bielema cares about the Heisman vote. Hot take. Doak Walker. <laughs> I know, Brett but I, got- I, to have Chase Brown even get sixth place in the Heisman vote, like how big of a feather in the cap is that for him? So like, I still think Chase is going to get twenty five plus touches from here on out every game because I think matters for the program now you want to keep him healthy you don't want to be stupid about it but i think this 100 yard streak you know keeping him in the heisman conversation is is really important for him it's good to make buzz right like it's you're getting people calling the smith center reporters national reporters who haven't been calling uh for a long time uh, the the other interesting point i want to make jeremy about the red zone is remember the first bye week the topic of conversation was Got to cut off these turnovers. Got to cut off these turnovers. It's just too many, and it was like that wasn't that wasn't BS. It, it was far too many, but they did. They came out and they did. I know they had the. I'm trying to remember when was that? Was that after Virginia or yeah, it was after the Virginia game? Is that right? It all blurs together. Yeah, uh, they had yeah, four turnovers they, in that one in Indiana. Yeah, and so they cut back on those. So I asked Tip Ryman. I said, you know, it seems like that was the plan going out. Like, do you, you think you can have a similar? success rate i guess just giving you focused on it and he said you know paraphrasing here he's like it's what healthy cultures do is coaches emphasize something to us we listen to it and we take to heart so will it work i don't know but i'm really interested especially over the course of the next three games like before michigan because you can do a lot of damage on the big 10 west in the next three games will that be you know will there be like a huge noticeable statistical change there all right illinois opened as a five and a half point favorite at Nebraska. Again, they've won back-to-back games uh, against Nebraska. Um, Nebraska's played a little bit better here recently. Uh, you know, opponent matters. Indiana, they beat, uh, which is probably an impressive win for them. Uh, Rutgers was not an impressive win, coming back from 13 nothing down, but it wasn't a pretty win. Uh, but then against Purdue, it got into a shootout. Uh, it wasn't as close, I think, as the score, 43-37, but Trey Palmer was ridiculous. But coming into this game, Joey, uh, you know, I, I think it's natural for, for fans to be a little nervous, thinking there could be a, a trap game, some complacency. Brett Bielema has mentioned that word, uh, that you can't get too far ahead. You don't want to look forward to the Big Ten Championship. I get it. I, I think that's – we're all human, even these these kids. But I think this coaching staff's good, done a good job of emphasizing week to week, even after a Minnesota game, when I started talking to these players about the Big Ten Championship, like – Tariq Barnes and Alex Pacheco said, yeah, this is awesome to win these games, but if we get knocked on our ass the next game, then what does it all mean? Like, we, we got to do it week after week. It's consistency. Uh, and with the leadership of this team, and and these guys have been there before, right? They were 6-4 and four in 2019 with a chance to go 8-4, and four, go to a great bowl game, and they slipped up. Um, I think all that matters. I'm not as concerned about this team showing up and think they're just going to win against Nebraska. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think Isaiah, to add to that, I think Isaiah Williams said something interesting. And he was asked, well, I mean, similar lines. And he said, we haven't really done anything yet. <laughs> like, I, and I think that the, that point being, and no, not to say they didn't care, because I'm sure they were thrilled. And we saw the bowling ball video in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, I will find the origin of that, unless somebody else hawks that idea from me. Where did the bowling ball come from, Jeremy? Get Josh Whitman on the bat signal here, and we'll figure this out. Because Josh brought uh, it in the last game. Uh, I think the uh, the ops people brought it to Michigan State, and then Whitman brought it in, I believe. 
okay, we got to get some answers there. That's that's top priority list. But yeah, I, I don't think I, mean, I don't think that's going to be the case. Where they go in and just don't sl- and, and sleep on Nebraska yeah. because if you do that, Casey Thompson and Trey Palmer are going to hurt you really, really bad because mm-hmm. uh, they can do that. I, yeah, but I just think it's different, man. I think this coaching staff has them like they buy in, and I've said that for a while, and I, I've written about it. Dude, they will follow Brett Bielma wherever Brett Bielma leads them, right? Like they they believe in what he says and how he says it and the way that he's connected. And, the, and I don't think that's BS or coach speak or anything like that. I think they truly are like their chips are all there. Like they're all in on Brett Bielma and the messaging and, and his messaging has been consistent. And I think yeah. that's probably part of the reason they're all in is because it is consistent messaging. But yeah, I don't I don't think like I get it, and I don't think it's an easy game either. No. Like, I think Nebraska coming off a bye in Lincoln, Nebraska also coming off a bye. Like, I think there's potential to slip up there. And teams slip up. College football teams slip up all the time. It's what makes this thing so fun. But I don't – am I projecting Illinois to lose? No. Right. I, no, but I also don't think it's it's over in the third quarter either. You know what I mean? Like, and I just think and, – and Nebraska might lead in the third quarter. And people, and, you know – chaos ensues and you get all the get to abc now tweets and all, all of that but yeah i think he's going to have those guys ready to rock yeah because listen to do all these big things they want to do saturday is a big part of that right you need three more wins at least to to, to clinch the big 10 west and if you win the next three you do clinch the big 10 west and nebraska is a divisional opponent that's a game behind you so outside of purdue this game means as much as any right on the schedule because it gives you an extra game on nebraska you have a two-game lead plus the tiebreaker so basically nebraska's out of it you knock nebraska out if you win and then of course you take a game lead on purdue who's off with four games left including one game against purdue so this is the second most important game on their schedule left it's that one and nebraska if you're talking about big 10 west race then of course michigan could be a very very important game uh if, if they take care of business the next couple weeks I think the matchup of the passing offense of Nebraska and the passing defense of Illinois is fascinating because Nebraska just likes to Rex Grossman this stuff now. Screw it, we're going deep, right? It was great against Purdue, and it was good against Indiana. Trey Palmer is the best wide receiver. Illinois is probably going to play all year. You know, Jaden Reed is in that mix. Uh, Charlie Jones is in that mix. But Trey Palmer, I expect to be a high draft pick uh, after the season. LSU transfer, former top winner and prospect, really fast, blazing fast. Um, and going up against Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin and maybe some Taz Nicholson is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think it's a lot on the line here for Devin Witherspoon and, and his money-making capabilities, Quan Martin, same. But I find it fascinating because Illinois has run so much man, Joey. And going man against one of the fastest guys in the Big Ten is going to be really interesting. But also... Your pass rush should obliterate Nebraska's def- offensive line because Nebraska's offensive line is, is terrible. I think Casey Thompson. I I got the vibe asking um, Ryan Walters if you go back and look at Joey's transcript of it. I got the vibe he thinks they can pick him off several times because Casey Thompson does put the ball in danger a lot. But Trey Palmer by himself and Casey Thompson being willing to wing it down there and let Trey Palmer go win, I think makes that at least an interesting aspect of this game. That was fascinating, and on so many levels. But I mean, how how much damage is he going to do? I think Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton and Gabe Backus and Seth Coleman. I think Casey. I mean, he's going to he's going to make some plays because that's what you do. 
that's not going to be a very fun day, I don't think, for him. That offensive line is a disaster and seemingly getting kind of worse. It's it's worse, way worse than Minnesota's. Um, you know, Iowa's offensive line is not very good, and Wisconsin's isn't quite Wisconsin, but Nebraska's. It's 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 very similar to Virginia. Their team is very I was similar to, see if to Virginia. You're going to say that, yeah, yeah the way yeah. they want to wing the ball down the field, but are they going to have time to? Is is Casey Thompson going to feel like Brennan Armstrong by the end of this game? Where Brennan was just like, I just get, I, I don't care if I throw a pick. <laughs> just, I'm sick of getting hit. It's, it's fascinating, Jeremy, and like, I, and obviously the Trey Palmer Devin Witherspoon matchup. That's my favorite matchup of the game. I think. I think we got to throw Quan Martin in there because Trey likes to line up in the slot a lot too. I, and I wish, I wish we would have thought. I would have thought to ask Walters, like, will that just be a straight up blanket? I I thought of that. He's not going to share that, right? Like, he's, I, I, he is not. We it's our job to tell people that. In like the third quarter, like Devin Witherspoon's been on him from the get go. It, it'd be cool. I don't know. Devin Witherspoon won't do it, or Quan Martin won't do it. If they did like the Breaking Bad, where he just lays on a like the pile of money. If they, if they have a good game, yeah. like just tweet that out. Because like put his face out there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that not the underlying is that, is that Hugh? story to the matchup? Is that Hugh? Is that what his name is? Oh, it's a good guy. I should rewatch that guard? recently. Yeah, I'll figure it Just out. Living the dream. Uh, but it, I mean, is that not like the, obviously the big matchup is that and the in-game effect and can you win this game and can those two have success? Hugh, Hugh is the name. Hugh, Hugh. Yeah. But like that's the other part. Like, dude, there's some money to be made yeah. on Saturday in Lincoln. If you're, if really right, I mean, Trey Palmer's made money already but you're seeing Devin Witherspoon getting talked about more and more and as Dude, those... CBS is like crazy Holy smokes, like I man. see some people don't have him in his top 50 CBS continues to have him in the first round they had him in the top 10 here recently like I don't know if he's got the stature for that like that's right yeah. he's, he's a little thin but I, man in this league I think he can play nickel I think he can play corner and I think Quan Martin uh by the end of this process people are going to start talking about him more right <laughs> Ryan Walters has been trying to get everybody to talk about him for months. It's a hell of a year. He's really good. And, and that's all, I know, we'll get, that's another discussion for another day. But goodness, you're going to miss that kid. You're going to miss him and you're going to miss Sidney Brown. They might not get all the attention they deserve. And Quan's getting a lot more. Um, he was on some of those midseason awards. But, man, that, that's a real that's, – that's such a fun matchup. But I'm so interested in – anytime we've asked Brett Bielma, like, hey, how's the secondary – well, listen, you know, that defensive line, too, and that defensive front, and that's – I mean, that's a clear advantage, Illinois, that defensive front to their offensive line. Casey Towns so, is going to get hit 15 times. What uh, – I'm going to put the over-under <laughs> in that for quarterback hits. Yeah. What, what What do you set it at realistically, 12 and a half? Are, are we going to do the PFF number? Because the quarterback, the QBH stat that they give us officially, I never feel is accurate. But, like, the uh, pro no. football Like, you, do you feel it's low? 15? Or, no, no, no. Do you feel like the QBH set? stat is usually lower yes. in reality? Yeah, that yeah, feels like hurries to me more than hits. It always feels like, but it is a quarterback hit stat. But, yeah, um, no, I think it's going to be a pretty high number. I would set it at 13 and a half. Yeah, that's a good number. And I still feel weird about saying over. That, I'm still fighting that, Jeremy. I'm still yeah. fighting the, like, feeling weird about saying some of this stuff because I just haven't said it since yeah. I've covered this program. Um, the other part about this is Nebraska's defense, they're bad, okay? Like, they, they are <laughs> they are not good. 31 points they're giving up per game, and 
it's just a complete contrast of styles here. Illinois is so physical. Like Illinois is just they're so much better in the trenches and we've seen that the last 2 years. Like Scott Frost got skill players. He never had issues with skill players. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't compete in the Big 10 West where you have to be good in the trenches. Uh, it's amazing Purdue has been as good as they have. And that's credit to Jeff Brom because they ha- they aren't good, uh especially offensive line wise. Defensive line they're solid. Um, but Nebraska is terrible in the trenches, and, and they're not good in the secondary either. Barry Loney Jr. has made a good impact on this program, right? I mean, putting up 34 uh, against a good Wisconsin defense, I still think they're good. Uh, putting up 26 uh, against Minnesota, but they should have put up 40 against Minnesota. They should put up 40 against Virginia. This is a game, I don't know if I'm predicting it because they're red zone issues, but this is a game where you could see the full Barry Loney Jr. breakout here because I expect Chase Brown and Josh McCray to have big games. I just don't see Illinois' offensive line struggling against this Nebraska defensive front. Not that there's not talent because O'Shawn Mathis is a very talented transfer. Stephon Wynn is from Alabama. Um, Garrett Nelson's a good edge player. But this Illinois offensive line continues to play better and better. Uh, and then Tommy DeVito, just as long as he doesn't make mistakes, man, I, I think they're going to find openings against a, a bad Nebraska secondary. So if there's a time for Barry Lundy Jr.'s offense to have a full breakout, it's Saturday in Lincoln. Yeah, I also can go the other way, though. It's like, don't overthink it. Just give the ball to Chase Brown. Yeah, I, I hate to go Matt Nagy, but be you. Be you. Run the ball. Run the ball. Like, and, and, you know, quick passes, all those things. I don't think you have to do much different, but, like, just because your opponent changes the defense, like I feel like this could be the best game we see from a Barry Loney Jr. offense. And plus, I think he's had time to kind of evaluate himself, right? Uh, and Brett Bielma's kind of made mention of that too. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think you could see that, but I could also see just letting your backs go until they're proven they can't and whatever, or if that happens. But yeah, I mean, this you don't think that this Nebraska defense is any good. And I don't know that there's not a lot of answers for Chase Brown that Illinois encountered to this point. And uh, I don't know that Nebraska would fall into the category of, a, of an answer to Chase Brown. Right? And it sounds so simple, but you got a guy like him, let him go, man. Yeah. Let him go. And then when he's he needs a break, give it to big Josh McCray, who I'm he is. Like, outside of the individual matchup that we talked about with, with Witherspoon and and Trey Palmer, I'm I'm really interested to see what Josh McCray. What's his snap count? What's his workload? What what do they want to do? How's he look? Like I, I'm interested. I, I'm really interested in all that because you have an offense that we think's been fine. I don't like that. Which is a huge that, improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean there's no deficiencies because the red zone's been a deficiency, and you've seen some, you know, there's some things you'd like to see cleaned up. But you have that, and then you can add Josh McCray into that. It's like, well, okay, now what? What can this look like, and and just how how's that balance all work? That's what I'm so interested in. All right, Joey, let's wrap this up. Uh, picks to click. Uh, do you want to start on offense? Are we going to pick a tight end this game? Hasn't been um, much action uh, towards the tight ends. I am not yeah. going to do that. Man, I want to have fun and say just Josh McCray. Yeah, go because, for it. Go take no, it. because take because it. What? Okay, but what is click? See, I'm right? going to do because a Seinfeld like, thing and do the Seinfeld voice that you won't understand. Take it. Sorry. But what's the what, what's the definition of clicking, right? Because I just think it's so varied, and I think 50 it's fifty yards a touchdown. Yeah. All right, give me Josh McCray. Go for it. Who's yours? Uh, I'm going Pat Bryant. Pat Bryant. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I, right. I think they can stretch the field against this team. Again, I don't want them to do that because Nebraska's bad. Like, do what you do. Run the football, but I think it's going to set up some big plays. Uh, and Pat Bryan is the big play guy. I thought he was fantastic against Minnesota. The whole wide receiver core yeah. was really good against Much Minnesota. Much better than we thought. Like, we've yeah. got to own up to that. And say this is a much better receiver group than we thought coming into the season. But you know what? Like we both thought Pat Bryant could break out, and we yeah. and I kept. Why is it Brian Hightower like a guy? Like yeah. why? so he ends up finding his his role, and I think he's playing a nice role for him. So yeah. I, I think we had questions about him, but why wouldn't you after what uh, happened last year? Um, all right, defense. I'll go. Can we first. also real quick? If yeah. anyone's confused, this is in the perpetual still non Chase Brown category. Like if you if you're not familiar yes. with the the kind of the bit, like we can't pick Chase Brown. Yeah, and Tommy DeVito has to have like a 300 yard passing game, so we try to do somebody like the third option. Um, all right, pick to click defensively. This one you can go with anybody uh, because it is the the uh, fire department. Uh, what did Brett Bielema look at the bad news bears? I like the fire department. Where are the orange hats at Memorial Stadium? If you're gonna have a sellout crowd against Michigan State, orange fireman hats. The the fire the fire department for the defense. Easy. Uh, I, I'm still standing by you recreate the scene from the office that Ryan leaves a pita in the thing and the fire truck pulls up and imagine all of the defense on this fire truck Ryan Walters dressed like Dwight are you just like superimposing like their heads like their profile heads no no you you remake this whole deal yeah. now the issue would be trying to get yourself a fire truck yeah um, but I, I'm all for it I think figure out a way to do that that being said do you want to go first? Do you want yeah, to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I'm going to go Seth Coleman. That's good. I'm, I'm going to go. I Listen, they have to double team Johnny Newton because they got a redshirt freshman playing guard. Um, they're going to have to double team. Calvin Avery could have a monster day too, by the way. Um, but I'm going to go with Seth Coleman because he's going to get one-on-one battles. And listen, everyone loves Gabe Backus, but I, I just try, try to continue to give Seth Coleman love because he's playing at all Big Ten first team level too. So uh, I can see multiple sacks for Seth Coleman come out of this game. Yeah, and I asked Ryan Walters, like, when you have two outside backers like that playing, like, what do you – do you do anything? He said, yeah, we try to scheme them to get one-on-one. It's easy to do when you got Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, too. Yeah, yeah. So, if I were to pick – and this is not my official pick, but if I were to pick Devin Witherspoon, yeah, what does that look like, right? Because, like, obviously you're not shutting Trey Palmer down. You could. <laughs> you could, but I mean, um, I think you, I think you start with like a base of like if, if three it, catches for fifty yards. Yeah, if if Devin, if we come back, see the PFF stat of he's got an under fifty percent completion rate against his targets. I think he's in the running for that. Like if Trey I'm Palmer, gonna, it, you know, if Quan, I'll give you Quan and Spoon. I'll give you Quan and Spoon, and if Trey Palmer has under sixty yards receiving, they win. Okay. I will say, like, I, I want to give some context. That's not trying to, like, be a homer and say, well, Devin Witherspoon's – it just feels like that ma- – like, this is the best opportunity of the season for him to say, hey, this is who I am, and, and like, I'm really this good. And I think he's he's a guy whose personality is not shy, yeah. um, and, and that's probably an understatement. Like, I just think this is a chance that he can come out, and, and I'm sure Aaron Henry's been in his ear about it. Like, you can really be – you can make a lot of noise in this game for yourself. And I think he's a guy who could rise to that. And then you combine the fact that I think your guys up front are going to get to him. Yeah. Well, it, it could be something. This would be like a matchup of what? Like Darrell Revis against 
Devin Witherspoon's favorite cornerback. By yeah, the um, Darrell Revis against say uh, Antonio Brown in their primes. You know what I mean? Randy, can Randy Moss that fair? It's not the same comparison. Yeah, it's tra- not the same, Trey's a yeah. different wideout. Yes, yeah, different comparison. I was thinking more AFC East. Yeah, fun battles there. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, something that's, like that. Like that's in the Big Ten. That's kind of what this matchup is. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. But I just think Quan's going to check him a lot too. So uh, I'll give you both those guys as a pick to click. All right, anything else? Any uh, any leftover nuggets before we get to uh, Lincoln? No, I think we covered a lot, right? I mean, recruiting, that was a big week, Jeremy, for recruiting. That was a really big week. I don't think so, man. It's, uh, it's nice to... I, I saw the mug. I saw the mug. It's a nice spot in the standings, right? I, I enjoy our teams being same spot in the standings. I don't think we have to talk. I thought this is like an Illinois podcast. Are we do, do the Bears have a better quarterback than the Packers? Go. Shoot. They did, I have to think about it. Last it week. pisses me off. I have to think about it. It pisses me off that I actually have to think about it. No, probably not now. But I don't like the trend. Dude, Aaron Rodgers is stunk. He's been a bad quarterback this year. And uh, Yeah, both of them do not have help around them. But, hey, one, one of them can overcome. The other guy can't. So. The other guy chooses not to. He's got a lot of money though, uh, and a heck of a career. But uh, oh, buddy, I would be. I'm, I'm just going to enjoy this while we can. Uh, the Bears Packers in the same record, and you know, you look at the Bears' uh, close losses. Maybe, maybe they should. Maybe they are better than Packers. I don't know. I think we're done here. <laughs> Sign it off. Get your daughter to close. See you Friday. <laughs> Bye, Joe. Yeah. Thanks to Joey Wagner. Let's get some insight on Nebraska from Mike Schaefer, Husker 24/7. Coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. All right, let's get the uh, side of Nebraska things. Mike Schaefer covers the Cornhuskers for Husker 24-7, and he's the best beard in the Big Ten. What's up, Mike? <laughs> I appreciate that. That's uh, that's a big compliment. You know, there's a lot of competition out there in this conference. Uh, a lot of people have great beards. So to to earn that, I, I feel like it's it's probably the biggest win that Nebraska's achieved in the last yeah. few years. There, there I, I really do think so. Uh, for for those wanting a big beard, I can never go this long. Like this is as long as I've had it in a while, Mike. Um, which usually I'm like the lowest setting or whatever. I I can't get past a certain point. So what is the key to growing a big beard for everybody out there? Laziness. I mean, it, it all just stems out of being unwilling to to shave and and putting up with uh, the early stage itchiness. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you just start to realize that your face somehow looks better with hair growing out of it than when there's not i mean i i last was clean shaven for the kentucky derby basically in 2017 wow. and i i look at those photos of which i've often compared to the guy in jurassic park because i have like the the whole get up on um i look at those photos and i think i made a terrible terrible decision and i just can't i can't replicate that again so you know five plus years since i just i, I haven't allowed uh, the the sunlight to directly hit my skin right around my my mouth. 
That works. It works for you, Mike. Uh, so so job with that. All right, Mike, as someone who has covered so many coaching searches, uh, I don't know if I can empathize with you with how long this thing is going to go. <laughs> it's uh, horrible. Yeah. So what is, what is, is. Coaching it really is. like in like week, what, four or five uh, and probably five, six weeks here to go? Yeah. You know, I this is uh, the third Nebraska football coaching search I've covered. The first one featured um, an athletic director having pretty much already made the decision five days after I think Bo had been uh, had been fired. Mike Riley had already been announced and that was a Sean I course basically went out and and did what he was going to do. The next one was always going to be Scott Frost, assuming that he said yes. So it wasn't like a real a real coaching search, but we did learn you know, along the way that Justin Fuente was like the backup option. Uh, then the Virginia Tech coach, who's now, I believe, an offensive coordinator somewhere in the college football landscape. So, um, you know, this is this one starting in September is unlike anything I have experienced. And with that, you get like the ebbs and flows of like the early sort of onslaught of, oh, I think it should be this guy and I think it should be that guy on the message board. And then this sort of now period that, People have convinced themselves Nebraska is going to go really cheap with it, that Nebraska is going to get told no by the top of their board. So it's just going to be Mickey Joseph by default. Um, you know, that I love, I love the interim guy. Yeah. Uh, part of the cycle. Oh, let's just keep this guy and yep. recruiting, but it makes no sense to me personally. Yeah. So I mean it's it's been um it's definitely been unique. And I think that Mickey Joseph has an opportunity to keep the job, but it would require a game like Saturday winning something like that, like something to put yourself above just getting wins against Rutgers in Indiana. Um, and, you know, if, if Nebraska makes a bowl game, if they were to somehow win against Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, even if you drop this Illinois game and you go six and six, you know, that's, that's a possibility, but they, there has to be something more than just the first couple of weeks of excitement that we, we saw uh, for this program to, to really sort of lean, I think, in, in Mickey Joseph's direction. Otherwise, you know, things seem headed to likely an early December decision. It's just that we already know that Scott Frost is out and can cycle through every name 17 times between now and then. What is the name you keep coming back to? I mean, for me, it's, it's the guy Lance Leipold, I, Illinois, thought they might get him. Brett Bielma uh, became their top candidate and Leipold goes to Kansas. And what he's done there is, is unbelievable. I just think what he does there can, can translate uh, at, at Nebraska. And, you know, one Nebraska hasn't struggled with skill positions, Mike. It's, it's been in the trenches. And yep. I, I just think Leipold might not be the sexy name, the, the sexy personality, but he's just a damn good football coach. Yeah, a lot of Nebraska fans have certainly been paying attention to what's happening at Kansas and then the fact that he was once a recruiting assistant um, under Frank Solich is, has caught some attention as well, as well as coaching at UNO, uh, the, the school over in Omaha that no longer has a football program because hockey has become king there under Trev Alberts, who's now Nebraska's athletic director. So it's all one big circle, Jeremy. Nebraska <laughs> is always a circle. Once you're in, you can never get out. Um I, you know, the it's interesting because early on, the name that that I heard that the fan base just almost, you know, almost completely unanimously has rejected, and it's still very much I think in play is Bill O'Brien, and um, you know he's got his Big Ten ties. He's obviously the offensive coordinator at Alabama. 
I think he had a what should be classified as a successful tenure with the Houston Texans, but <laughs> apparently making four playoff appearances in like eight years to some people isn't particularly meaningful. I don't I don't really understand it uh, because the NFL is very difficult, but um, I, I think Bill O'Brien would be really interesting, but at least on, on the Husker 24 seven message boards, that's probably about as unpopular of a candidate as you could put out there. But I, I fully expect that he is involved to some degree. And this, I think Lance Leipold, you mentioned um, is, is a name that's certainly going to be up there. Matt Campbell, we've heard a lot of uh, early on, and then Iowa State started losing. And so that has, you know, that has been the, the part of this whole thing. How much does the 2022 record really matter? Yeah. If you like to coach coming into the year, what his team does doesn't matter a lot because it's not like he's bringing that whole team with him to wherever he's going to go. So uh, those are those are kind of the common names. Of course, you have the like the absurd Urban Meyer stuff and and everything else. But uh you know, for for me, if if we're just looking at at these people, it probably going to end up. Um, if Mickey wins a game or two down the stretch, I think that's going to be really loud, and I can see where that's an appealing thing for Trev Alberts, as he, I think he's got a pretty strong relationship with Mickey Joseph as a former teammate of his, and and sort of how they've embraced each other since Mickey came back, and then I think Bill O'Brien. I mean, I think those are the two names um, as this comes closer. Uh, those are the two that stand out. I mean, and, and who knows? Maybe there's a Dave Aranda that wants out of the Big 12. Maybe, uh, you know, there's a there's another high-level coach out there that wants out of his situation and looks at Nebraska as a place that he can sort of go and and build up over time and, and make more money while doing it uh, with, with tons of resources at his disposal. I just don't know that there's a, a real slam-dunk name out there. I think whoever they end up with is going to have some level of, of warts attached to it. And the fan base is going to have to be at peace with that. I find Matt Campbell an interesting candidate because I, I think he'd be on paper and a higher given what he's done at, at a you know historically bad program mm-hmm. at Iowa state. And I just think with the resources, the talent he can get to Nebraska, uh, I think he can do well. And I, I think Nebraska is kind of an interesting recruiting territory, as you know, Mike, because it's not close to a big, talent base but it's got such a, a great uh history there and fan base there but you know matt campbell is nebraska good enough of a job for for him to leave or how long would he wait until he leaves because he's kind of been looking at michigan penn state seems like ohio state uh nfl um how good of a job is nebraska now after you know 10 years in, in, in the big 10 or whatever it is of not great football for nebraska no, it, it hasn't been. And and so that's like the thing you sort of have to square up. And, um, you know, growing up here, attending the university, I'm going to view it in a certain way that that a lot of your listeners probably wouldn't. Yeah. But if, if you just go from from just this angle and this angle alone, it is the single biggest sports entity in a population of close to 2 million people. It is supported ferociously, despite how horrible it has been over the last five years. Financially, with the Big Ten standing that it's in, it's equipped to to be able to provide a ton of resources to whoever it hires. I mean, you know, if they hire a coach at $6 million, it's not unreasonable that the assistant salary pool combined with coordinators and support staff and and all of that could be $14 million. Like they could spend $20 million on a coaching staff and that money is all there and available to be used if that's how they choose to go about it. 
And then on top of it, uh, and I, I don't know what it's like for every other Big Ten institution, but there's a new collective popping up every other day in Lincoln. And that that has its own sort of differing effects where eventually you need one or two to sort of kind of run things. But the support is incredibly strong. The fan support is incredibly strong. And even though the recruiting resources, like what you have right around you to, to go out in the, you know, 250 miles from your, from your campus, isn't necessarily a wash with five-star talent. There's good enough players at Kansas, Kansas state, Iowa, Iowa state, Minnesota, Illinois, like all of these teams have made runs in the last five or six years and have the ability to be top 25 schools. Every one of those teams that I said has been a top 25 school. Nebraska has not, and has no less ability to get the same players or to get the same results. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a tricky job. I honestly, the biggest detractor to it is the fishbowl mentality is the reeky desperation that sort of sits on top of the city of Lincoln and the state of Nebraska, where whoever takes this job is just going to feel that desperation in every conversation they have with a local in every press conference, in every you know, community event that they, through contractual obligations, are supposed to be there to cut the red, you know, the red ribbon. So um, that desperation would be maybe the biggest deterrent. And so you you have to find someone who's comfortable with that. Yeah. Scott Frost was never comfortable being the public face of his former university, which is sort of insane because he knew exactly what that was going to be. And I think he initially welcomed it and then it didn't go well. And then he didn't want it. And it's, it's not how that works. You know, Mike, Mike Riley really welcomed it and then wasn't the right person for it. You know, so they, there's a way to find an individual who actually sort of seeks out like I'm the guy, you know, like you play into their ego a little bit. And so I, I think that that could work out. Um, but you've got to have a coach that is at least comfortable with the idea that he is supposed to be the biggest show in town. And with that comes extremely annoying and outsized expectations, but also a lavish and comfortable lifestyle. It feels like Penn state. Like I, I feel like Nebraska and Penn state have a lot in common. I think this yeah. can be similar. Like, you know, Penn state, we think of East coast. It's, it's really insular. That's uh, the biggest thing in, in that area mm-hmm. of, of the state. Uh, and, and there's no reason I think that Nebraska can't be that. That's why the job is so intriguing. Mike is because the ceiling of it is ridiculous. But we've seen the floor and, and all the negatives. Yeah. I, I hope this is the floor because, I mean, I, I think it can still get worse some way, somehow. I think it still can. Well, Mike, we got an actual Big Ten football game uh, here. Uh, true. Got, let's, let's talk about this because it is a big game because Nebraska, I don't know how excited you should be about a win over Indiana and Rutgers and the Rutgers one was really ugly. But Nebraska beat Indiana. Illinois didn't beat Indiana. Uh, but both these teams separated by just one game in the Big Ten West. I think we know Illinois has been better so far this year. But how has how Mickey Joseph made an impact on this program? Because I, I got to give them credit. Despite that start to the Rutgers game, despite you know Indiana scoring early, this team's fighting, it seems like. Yeah, I, I think in part the, the fact that the worst thing that could happen has already happened. I mean, Nebraska basically came in and played tight across three games because everybody knew if they didn't win enough, everyone knows the October one drop date for Scott Frost. Like that couldn't have been discussed more 
in an entire off season. And they tried to do their best to say that it didn't matter and, and all of these different things. But there was a certain looseness that comes to a program when what, what can get worse? Your defensive coordinator got fired. Your head coach got fired. Like, what's left? They're going to start getting rid of the guys who, you know, pick up after you in the locker room or, you know, wash your jersey. So it, it, it kind of just becomes – um, you know, you got that out of the way. And then a lot of what Mickey Joseph basically said is we're just going to try to get better at the fundamentals. I mean, when you turn on the tape of those first three games and throw in Oklahoma, because that one was ugly too, but you, you throw on that tape. I mean, they weren't tackling well, they weren't doing anything particularly well. And they have too many players that are at least quality big 10 players for their defense to have been as bad as it was. It still has a lot of issues. It's still, you know, a pretty good matchup if you're Illinois' offensive coordinator uh, on Saturday and given Nebraska's struggles against the run. But it got better because they got better at tackling. It got better because Garrett Nelson, a player that has, you know, all Big Ten potential for third team or second team, started making plays on the edge. It got better because Luke Reimer started playing better. Um, so some of it was you got better performances from guys that you were expecting to play better than they did in the first three weeks of the year. And I think that Bill Bush, the new defensive coordinator, has simplified things. They've removed a lot of checks. They're playing a ton of base defense, which basically just for them means, all right, we're going to we're going to try to just keep everything in front of us. They play a lot of cover two zone uh, or excuse me, a lot of cover two, cover three zone looks. I mean, they're they're really not particularly exotic at this point in time. It's just a lot of like, let's just line up and try to play football on the defensive side. Offensively, they figured out that their best strategy is to get Trey Palmer the ball and usually to get it as far away from where the play started, because that means they have less distance to cover and there's less bad things that can happen. I mean, the whole game against Purdue was basically if this drive takes longer than two minutes, we're not going to score because our offensive line can't protect. Illinois' biggest challenge on Saturday is going to be how do we make sure that they're not scheming up something to get Trey Palmer open, or do we just try to let everybody but Trey Palmer beat us? Can Nebraska win a game that way? Their wins this year, Trey Palmer's been really valuable for them. Even in that game against Purdue where they were a double-digit you know, uh, underdog, they really had a chance to win that game in the second half. They just couldn't make the right combination of plays at the right time, but they gave themselves an opportunity because Trey Palmer was just – very difficult to stop and that's there's there's no other secret to it I mean Anthony Grant's fine the offensive line is terrible Casey Thompson can throw a decent deep ball and that's that's it <laughs> like there's no mystery yeah. about this team I find this matchup fascinating at least the the wide receiver Trey Palmer and Casey Thompson against an Illinois secondary that hasn't played against a wide receiver as talented as Trey but I mean Devin Witherspoon's an NFL player mm-hmm. Quan Martin's an NFL player but they run man to man, Mike, and they have a single high safety. Can they do that against Trey Palmer? Can they be successful? But then it's, well, they're probably going to get a ton of pressure on oh, Casey yeah. Thompson because their offensive line, as you said, Nebraska's offensive line is bad. And Illinois defensive line is really it's very good. It's very, very good. So, but I find that fascinating because I can see Nebraska getting a couple big plays and being competitive because they have a quarterback that wants to throw deep, isn't afraid to throw deep, even if he's going to throw picks. And they got a wide receiver that's probably going to be drafted pretty high. Yeah, I I really think a lot of this game comes down to, does Illinois just basically build a like 10-point lead and then sit on the ball? I mean, because they have the ability to basically just keep Nebraska's offense off the field yeah. for long, long chunks. 
And then all that does is when they come back on the field and you know Nebraska is not trying to drive the ball because they can't. They, they just can't. I mean, if they have to have a four-minute drive, there's going to be a false start, a holding penalty, a strip sack. Like something dumb is going to happen there because they just don't have the ability to do that. Um, so, you know, if Illinois can get up by double digits in the first half and just sit on the ball. That makes it really difficult. Nebraska's whole thing is they have to – basically try to blitz Prigue Illinois early, get a lead, and then figure out how they're going to hold on to the lead. Or just keep it a one-score game the entire time so they're always one play away. And that that was the Purdue strategy, always be one play away once we fell down early. So it, for me, it'd be fascinating, like, if for whatever reason Nebraska's leading in the fourth quarter, do they actually have the ability they can run time off the clock? Because I don't know that they can. You know, if they're in a two-minute offense – Against this Illinois defense, are you just going to run for negative eight yards? Because that's what it's going to look like uh, if you just try to line it up and run run time off the clock. So from a from a variance standpoint, like these these strategies could not be more different. Yeah. And so I think that's what makes Saturday really fascinating because you could draw this thing to go a bunch of different ways, even if the result of an Illinois win still largely seems like it's going to be the same. It's how they get there. Can they just get a lead early and just keep Nebraska off the field? Or does Nebraska make them sweat all the way to the end because they just have that big play potential? Nebraska has given up 200 rushing yards to most teams, right? Um, To most teams on their schedule. How do they slow down Chase Brown? Josh McCray is supposed to be back. Um, How do they do it? You said defense has shown a little bit of improvement here. Um, Obviously, Purdue carved them up. um, But against Rutgers in the end, they showed some improvement. Yeah, the, the fascinating thing about Purdue was that they couldn't stop Charlie Jones and they couldn't stop Mockaby. So, I mean, Purdue could basically just decide which of the two ways it wanted to move the ball most of that game. Um, Nebraska hasn't stopped Brown the last two times they played him, right? And that was with better defensive fronts than what they're going to bring into Saturday. So, to me, it basically feels like, are they going to have to try to just load up completely against the run? Do they have something exotic? Um, to, to do that. And then on top of it, one of their better linebackers and Nick Henrich is done for the year. So they're going to be playing, you know, probably a little bit undersized at, at linebacker against a, a big offensive line and a team that, that, you know, last year, how many times did Illinois just run that same stretch play, just letting Brown search for, you know, a spot along the sidelines until he hit Nebraska for a 42 yard run. I mean, and they were better equipped last year to stop that Illinois offense and they still struggled with it. So I, they're going to have to get exotic or they're, they're going to have to hope that their tackling is they're able to just get them down on first contact because if, if Illinois can live in third and short all game, and I think that they will be able to, they're just going to chain together drives until they start breaking big plays. And then once they start breaking big plays is when Nebraska is really worried. So this Nebraska fan base is known as being really nice. You know that, Mike. Um, are, are they are passive they, aggressive? Nice, but nice yeah. nonetheless. Are, is is that turning at all? Like after these last what six, seven, eight, nine years? I I, I don't think that it's turned towards the opponent. the The funny thing about the Nebraska nice component is that Nebraska fans still very much feel like they should see victories from their team every week and they still very much appreciate and congratulate and everything the the people that come out to visit they've just turned on themselves they're just feeding on themselves at this point you know so it's 
you know, any Illinois uh, fans that come out this weekend, they're going to be treated to a great time. They'll be welcome at any of the tailgates. That's always going to be true. But they'll also probably get a front row seat to the, the straight up bickering and the dog eat dog world of Nebraska fans turning on Nebraska fans. Because that's really kind of where we're at with it. Understandable. Oh, last one, Mike. I, I got to ask you, because I've been talking about this for a while. Trev Alberts brought back Scott Frost, right? To save money, I, I would imagine. Yeah. It was, yep. it was the big move. He didn't end up saving any money, right? Nope. I mean, firing people, hiring, like, this didn't work out very well for Trev Alberts. It didn't, it didn't. Because uh, the tinfoil hat part of me thinks that he didn't want to make that move last year because there was still probably more than 50% support for a homegrown guy in Scott Frost even at three and nine because Nebraska lost all of those games as Reddit college football was, you know, love to point out was only a play away from being like 11 and one. They shouldn't or have been the greatest so three and nine team of all time. They shouldn't or have been in so many close games, Mike. Yeah, no, no. Well, talks- no, I, look, I get it. I completely with you. I, I thought that Nebraska should have moved on last November, but I think in part because it was going to be more palatable if, if, Nebraska failed again this season with the way that schedule started. Um, that decision made sense to Trev Alberts at the time. And I, I've also been told, and I believe it, that, you know, he very much wanted to try to save money on on this aspect because of how much money Nebraska's pushed out the door for various coaches in the last few years and, and athletic directors. I mean, Nebraska's paid a lot of people – a lot of money to not be very good at their job for the last 10 years. So I think he was hoping to, to at least mitigate some of that. And yet at the same time, I mean, they could have made that decision after Northwestern. You sort of knew where that season was as soon as they lost that game over in Ireland. And so I, I give him credit for having the, the willingness to just admit it and eat it after the the loss to Georgia Southern, because I do think in a lot of ways it saved what could be left of Nebraska's season. Mm-hmm. I don't think they win the game against Indiana if Scott Frost is their coach. I doubt they beat Rutgers if Scott Frost is their coach. And maybe they only get to four wins, and which would be another win this season. But at least you're giving your players an opportunity to play for something rather than being two and eight going into the final two games against Wisconsin and Iowa and wondering what the hell you're doing here anyways. So I, I, I do think we're going to look back on it as the right decision and the wrong one was made the previous November. So it's going to be about a 50 50. Well, I always look forward to my, my trips to Lincoln. Uh, not so much about the chili and cinnamon rolls. I still, Hey, it's two 30. You're not going to get that. Oh, I won't. That's right. That's right. Uh, so that one. It'll probably be something like Salisbury steak type dish or something, something that feels at home in a like eighth grade lunch. You know, that perfectly, kind of thing. perfectly Nebraska. Mike Schaefer, perfectly Nebraska as well. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Great stuff from Mike Schaefer, Husker 24 7. And uh, before we head to Lincoln, I am going to record tomorrow. Hopefully my voice is a little bit better for you guys and for myself. Um, But uh, we're going to record a basketball season preview with Mike Latulip. So you'll have that if you're going to make the drive out to Lincoln or fly, travel, however you get out there. Uh, We'll have some more podcasts for you guys to listen to on your way out uh, because we've got a Quincy exhibition on Friday night. Derek Piper will be covering that for us at State Farm Center while Joey Wagner and I are on our way out to Lincoln. So plenty to come at IlliniInquire.com as we get to the busiest time of the year. Also want to take a second to thank all our new members. We had about 70 new members sign up uh, during the week for our two months 
for one dollar deal really appreciate you guys uh, but even if you didn't sign up for that you can get vip access for the next month which includes basketball signing day uh, which illinois has some good players coming in in the class of 2023 and the lead up to illinois football signing day the rest of the illinois football regular season and the start of illinois basketball season you can go vip for just one dollar for your first month of the line i inquire thank you for listening to the line inquire podcast wherever you get your podcast give us a follow a rating review we appreciate that check us out on youtube as well subscribe hit that follow button hit the like button it helps us out on every video that you do that so more people can see all our stuff at Illini Inquirer YouTube. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.